Hey, welcome to Walk It Off. Uh, not Walk It Off Radio this time, but this is our mostly weekly. Let's just say weekly now. Happy hour hang we'll try. W- with with Drew and Dave. And we're really excited to see you, even though we can't see you. But I'm really excited to see you, Drew. We're back. We're doing this again. It's uh, our midweek happy hour hangs. That's right. So when we get so much sports that we can't keep up with on the air every week, we need to get a little bit of overtime here. And that's why we're getting together. And also to look at it, see each other in person, uh, and have a good time here. So Yeah. Emphasis uh, on hang. Crack open a beer, talk about some sports, and have a good time with it. Let's so, do it, brother man. Cheers, buddy. Here's to you. Oh, I was going to ask you what you're drinking, but I can see there one of the classics, one of my <laughs> favorites, and I think one of our shared favorites, Bear Walker Brown, Bear Walker Maple Brown from Jackalope Brewing. Yep, right here in Nashville. I figure that we're doing this episode tonight representing our childhood teams that we grew up with yeah, and not our Nashville favorites that we talk about on the air every night, so... I'll bring a little bit of Nashville with me too tonight. So, because we still love our teams and we still talk about them. It's still a Nashville sports talk radio show, all right? Yes, but it is. Yes, it is. When our teams are in it, we're going to show some love too. Well, we, we, we've we're done sports a, fans above everything else. No doubt. And we've set the precedent, I think, from the get go that we are a pro sports talk show as well. That is, that that's our sweet spot. That's where we spend our time. So, there isn't always an opportunity to talk about Nashville teams. So we're still going to stick to our stick to our guns, stick to our game. This isn't a stretch outside of what we've been doing from day one. It is just weird, as I was lamenting to you before we jumped on the air and pressed record, but that it's unusual, at least for me, to have Phoenix teams, which are normally the ones that I grew up with, uh, be in a better position than the Nashville team. So it's usually easier because Nashville's making it further on. Nashville has something better going on. And that's great. I've loved that and I'm rooting for that every every time around. But the tides have turned at this moment in time mainly just because the Suns are on a run and and the Grizz and the Preds um I don't want to say fizzled out, but left left early. Went home a little earlier than we wanted to. They're just not here right now, but yeah, it's the same way for me. You know, we we'll talk about our Nashville teams as much as we possibly can, and there's always something going on with our Nashville teams because this is such a sports city. It's become so strong. There's something going on every single weekend, and we're happy to hop on WXNA and talk about it every single weekend. But yeah, when we root for teams, I mean, I got all the underdog NY teams under my belt, but now in the aisles are making it to the penultimate round of the Stanley Cup playoffs two years in a row. It's pretty damn exciting. That's super exciting. And, and I know we mentioned this on the show, but one of the things I love about the Isles is that I feel like they're a team with a chip on their shoulder. They're playing, you know, I love how they're outperforming teams like the Maple Leafs that have John Tavares on it, who spurned the Isles a couple of years ago. I love even more that that we've got Barry Trotz in the Western Conference, or the whatever, Opent Ultimate Round, <laughs> in the fi- in the semifinals um, with his with his third team. I actually, I'm sorry, I actually don't know his head coaching career before Nashville, 
But his second team since being in Nashville, um, I think, actually. Man. Anyway, in there <laughs> with his second team in the conference finals, at least. Yeah, yeah. After, after the Caps. And, you know, he he was spurned by the Caps, too. The way he was kicked to the side. And I know it's, was, it sounded potentially a little mutual, but he revived that team and got them over the hump into a championship. And the first thing they did was kick him to the curb. And he went to a team that was craving respect, that had built some momentum, uh, and just wanted somebody in there to lead them to the promised land. And he is doing it consistently. And it's it's been really fun to see. And hopefully he can get them over that hump too. Raise that cup. That would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. But Tampa Bay is not going to make it easy. Oh man, I almost, I almost. Well, I guess I have to now. I, 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 I almost committed a cardinal sin, and I'm just going to now. Um, I was going to speculate with you as to what it would be like if, in the same year, one of your underdog teams, one of my underdog teams, won championships. That would just be insane because you and I have been toiling about our teams for a long time, and it would be incredible. But I retract that, retract that statement, and I've never said it publicly. No, we can't talk about that yet. Because it's, can't talk about that. <laughs> just we're just on. We're just talking about the next game. That's it. In theory, it would be a beautiful thing, <laughs> and might have to make a late minute, some late minute expenditures. But <laughs> yeah, I know. You're telling me. I uh, I had a friend text me. Well, I guess we're. Guess we got to go to a, a, a finals game together, right? And I was like, "Don't even say that now. You can't say that no, yet. You don't say that now. No, Come on. not at all. That's, and I, I think that's what's great about the position that we're in. And 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 again, we talked about this on Sunday night. But these playoffs, both for NHL and NBA, have been competitive, and it, it, that hasn't let off. Even though we're surprised by the teams that are in each most of the, some of the positions, I'd say even most of the the remaining positions are, are surprise teams. Every, every series, every game for the most part has been really, really competitive. So this is not going to be in the a walk in the park for, for either of the teams you and I are rooting for. Uh, because I mean, just looking back at the, at the predators, they lost to the hurricanes and that's not a team to sneeze at. And, and, and Tampa Bay handled them pretty well. This is this has been a lot of great depth, especially in those um, non-Canadian divisions. Even though uh, you know the Canadians oh, who came out of that is then. looking fantastic. Yeah, really surprised to see them there. And they're now one game away from the cup. So, well, the cup finals, obviously, not raising it itself. A couple more games away from that one, but yeah, they uh, they got that three to two lead now on the Golden Knights who were obviously one of the favorites along with Tampa Bay. It's it's fun stuff, it's exciting stuff, but look, we appreciate your composure because we are recording now on Tuesday night. That's right. And that was one hell of an exciting Suns victory that just happened minutes ago. So we appreciate your composure to, you know, towel the champagne off of yourself. <laughs> and... <laughs> well, you can't get, you can't, like we just talked about, you can't get too ahead of yourself, but I feel like... And and th- I, I'm going to try, as I always do, to not sound, not come from the perspective of a fan, right? The Suns stole this game. 
this we are professional radio voices we we absolutely are but i think one thing that i <laughs> we had all hawk harrelson homers chip carries here yep no doubt no doubt so the suns stole a win tonight uh they did not the way that they played especially relative to how they've played otherwise on this eight now nine game playoff winning streak they played well below that i mean shooting somewhere in the low 20 percents in 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 three-point percentages devin booker i think battled his way to a 20-point game which is uh you know average below average by his standards in the playoffs chris paul's out the defense looked good but offensively this team just could not get going and to be in that situation and even be competitive i think is is incredible especially against a, a clippers team that matches intensity if there's anything that clippers team does routinely i maybe this is a weird analysis but they don't create Steal calls from the referees besides that they <laughs> we'll get to that they uh they don't necessarily set the intensity, which I think is interesting, right? They they match intensity. So they wait for somebody to set the duck, and then they go, all right, we can get to that point, which, frankly, I think could be the sign of a weak team or a non-championship level team sometimes. But I also think that the fact that they can, in an instant, all their players, the depth that they have, they can pick up intensity, play play defense, get physical, and and really just uh, bring that chip that I feel like they have as, oddly enough, a super team, albeit without Kawhi right now, but a superstar team, um, a multi-superstar team in L.A., but they're still the Clippers. They still got this Clippers chip on their shoulder, and that makes them really, really dangerous, not to mention they've come down, they've, they've come back from 2-0 deficits both rounds already, so... It, for uh, for the Suns to steal a win against a team like that when they were playing so far below their normal game, it, it really means this is dangerous territory for the Clippers. Honestly, uh, because that that's a game. It, this should be this should be one one going back to L.A. Well, you've got that big storyline, obviously, of Chris Paul not playing for the Suns, but should be back for Game Three, is what we're hearing now out of the nebulous, <laughs> unreported COVID protocols. So nebulous. And Kawhi Leonard not playing for the Clippers, which again is kind of nebulous. We haven't really heard a real timeline on him. Yeah, it's been frustrating so, on both of those accounts. Will he come back as a as a half player like James Harden? Or now that his team's down 2-0, will he pull a Willis Reed? There's all sorts of options there. Will he not be able to play, you know? Obviously... If he can't play these last two games, it's not like Kawhi Leonard's never been injured before. But it's it's fascinating to see who will step up in this big series. And we've seen that Chris Paul mentality take over on the Suns, I think. Just the guys who, if you work with that guy, you have to work. And I think that's contributed so much to this Devin Booker leap that we're seeing right now, playing without Chris Paul, taking on that mantle of the team leader. And stepping up in ways that haven't normally been his game. He's He had that triple-double his first of his career in Game 1. Just an unbelievable performance. Obviously, that's double-digit assists, double-digit rebounds. He's putting the work in. 
And then in this game, too, playing with the busted nose, with stitches in your nose, Rhino reminiscent for Steve Nash, for you, for sure. Very much so, yeah. But just the the dedication and the leadership that it is, it, that's exactly what it says to me, is that, you know, playing with Chris Paul, you've got to... You've got to be that type of player. And it's rubbed off on Devin Booker, campaign as his understudy. Just came out with a great game when he needed to as a starter for these last two days. And, yeah, Devin Booker again, that final play. we got to talk about that final play. <laughs> Man, these, that last minute of this game was insane and took forever because of instant replay. Yeah, as if, well, as if the end of an NBA moments, playoff man. game didn't take that. As, as if the end of an NBA game didn't take too long anyway. Sorry, I interrupted you, but it's like just what we need is to add more onto that with instant replay. God, it's it's terrible. It but of course, at the same time, you want to get those calls right. There's a lot to talk about there, but I still think the best thing is that ins- insane play at the very end of this game. We talked on Sunday night about. In the Islanders game, the Ryan Pollock save to win the game, to save the game in game four, that was just one of those plays, one of those highlights that you have to see that highlight. You have to watch this highlight. You have to send it to everybody. It's something that's going to live on no matter what happens in the rest of that series. That's a play that's shown in highlight packages forever. That they Dre ate and dunk at the end of this game. Does that rise to that level? Because I think it might. That's going to be a highlight real play. I'm sure <laughs> as a Suns fan, you're watching it live. You already sent me a straight reaction video <laughs> of what was going on there at the ending. So I know what was going on with you. But even not as a Suns fan, that's what you want to text all your sports friends and be like, watch this highlight right now. I know we got on our social media at Walk It Off Radio and we're retweeting videos of that right away. It's like, man, that's the fun part about being a sports fan. When something incredible happens like this, you just want to share it with everybody and you want to get excited and you know you saw history. Yeah, yeah 100%. And how often do you see a buzzer-beating dunk? Alley-oop, much less. It was really, really special. I mean, that would have been insane to see Devin Booker hit it which of course was the odds on bet that he would get you know some kind of turnaround fade away and and get the opportunity to shoot that but again that goes to the depth that the Suns have is the Clippers are a great defensive team and they showed that they shut down Devin Booker on that possession especially the Suns knew it and you have intelligent players and talented players like Drake Jay Crowder who can make an insane pass like that who can see that we already saw um, was it Jay? Man, I can't remember the, maybe it was Devin, the long lob to to DeAndre earlier in the game, calling him from above the elbow uh, to, to, to make the play and leading him like a quarterback. It, threading the needle, it was insane. That kind of vision is just too cool, and it's a very special moment. It'll... That game will go down in history. You know, it's it's funny. You, you mentioned Steve Nash's injury when he had the, I think he ran into face to face with Tony Parker in the Western Conference Finals in 07 and had that bloody nose, couldn't fix it, bleeding in and out of the game the whole time. That game lives in lore. That image lives in in lore for the Phoenix Suns and and I think on a lower level, of course, in the it NBA, was it was, and that was a loss for the Suns. 
So you and I talked about on Sunday how uh, a save like that, that one in the Islanders game is going to take on a different perspective if they don't win the championship. And, you know, it, it's remembered differently. It, it, it That's exactly the same with with a lot of other things, even a buzzer beater. But I think this game, even though it wasn't the Suns' best game by any stretch, will go down in the history for the Suns really, really high on the list. And even in the NBA is a really memorable one just because of the optics, because of those things that just show the grit and grind uh, of the NBA playoffs. And it was truly a battle of a game. It never, a, never a double-digit lead. Very few lead changes this time, but um, there it was very, very close all the way through. And, of course, the, the Clippers made a run towards the end that really made it look like it was their game to lose, and it was. <laughs> it was, but Paul George missing two free throws at wow. the end. It kind of felt a little bit like karma, too, though, because you had those calls pretty much back-to-back, where Pat Beverly, yeah, he might have gotten brushed by Booker's arm, but he definitely sold that foul sold hard. Sold yes. Through the offensive foul. It, I don't want to say flop because he did get touched, but that, that's it, fair. It was a flop. He, that, he sold it extra. It was. It was. It was. That it was, was a soc- that was a soccer job. sell. Yeah. And uh, same thing with Pat Beverly again with that great reach in on Booker's drive on what was it the very next possession. To knock the ball out of bounds. I know the announcers there said it. Uh, they did a good job on this one. I'll give Jeff Van Gundy all the credit in the world because that's exactly the way I felt on this. It's the same thing as the problem baseball has now on stolen bases where uh, for a millisecond, the player will hydroplane over the base and won't have contact with it. So he'd be called out despite beating the throw. Technically, it's correct with instant replay, but it's the wrong call. That that's a great that's example. Exactly what happened on this out of bound one. That's that's a yeah, great example. Beverly knocks the ball out of Booker's hands, but it as it brush not as Beverly knocks it off, it brushes through Booker's hand. So technically, Booker touched it last, but Beverly knocked that ball out of bounds. Any call ever, except in the last two minutes of the game that ball's out of bounds on the Clippers and nobody even argues about it. No. And, and I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You can't argue. Boy, you're right. Letter of the law, but you can't argue against it. it. It's a, it's a, it's a travesty of the, of the instant replay. And I'm trying to think like, you know, we, we really saw instant replay take off in football and I don't think there's a play like that in football. I think, I think that's why so when they don't get the instant replay. How about the catch rule? Hmm. what yeah. is an actual catch yeah yeah that's a fair that's a fair point um yeah you're right like it, it's really hard and to you know I, I say it all the time on our on our show and elsewhere we sports is a game of rules that's that's what sports literally is is a bunch of rules and so we've got to respect them uh that's really important to how we play and that sounds like that sounds like I'm John Madding here in in my commentary, like Jeff Van Gundy today when he was talking about Cam Johnson. And he was like, uh, "He's a really good basketball player," or something like that. It was really, really generic. Like a good, good description. Um, 
but it feels that way. But you've got to think of it that way. The only way these games work is by the rules existing and being enforced to a T because that's the only way for fairness. And now, and truthfully, they really have in general, for the most part, instant replay is going to give us some weird, weird situations there. And you just mentioned just two really, we get really into good that ones. sentence on what's going on in MLB today. <laughs> I, it's uh, and then you add on top of that, the travesty is, and this is, this is really uh, important for MLB too, is it adds time and it's taxing and it's not a good viewer experience. And I think there was commentary on that today during the game as well. That's a, that's a rough end to a game for it to take that long for them to be, for there to be multiple calls that just make you question whether the, the game is accurate and, that's that's not the way that's not the way it should end. Uh, but I will say because of those missed free throws, because of other calls and throughout the game, general letting them play. Well, I don't know. The, earlier in the game, there were a lot of weird calls, a lot of high volume of fouls. But it, it did come to a wash. And I don't think if you're a Clippers fan or a Suns fan that you can look at that game and say this didn't. This was influenced the ultimate by the ultimate um, outcome was influenced by any of those. Um, but they were hard to watch when they happened. It could have been. I mean, that out-of-bounds play, it, all, it could have robbed you of what you thought was going to be a potential game-winning shot from Devin Booker. And it gave Paul George a trip to the free-throw line to spread a one-point lead out to a three-point lead. But a, a guy who's almost a 90% shooter normally had already missed three free-throws in this game misses both in a clutch situation like that. And with all the narratives around Paul George with Kawhi Leonard not playing, I think that's just going to eat away at Paul George and it's going to become a narrative. But what happened after that was just so special. And that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to tie into maybe the Chris Paul effect, maybe the natural evolution, but all the credit to Devin Booker. The Devin Booker of a couple of years ago, would not have made those two plays with the game on the line. Coming down there, get, trying to get last shot, down one point after, and again, credit to Johnson on that rebound, on the, on the Paul George miss free throws. It's a tough rebound, but yeah. they get the timeout. Monty Williams did a fantastic job at the end of this game, calling his timeout then, saving it earlier, having the timeout to call after that, re, after that rebound. Huge. You get your guys out there. The ball's in Booker's hands like everybody knows right now. And he gives it up. They make the extra pass. They get a good look for Bridges. He doesn't make the shot. But that was such a mature play, such a well-done play to get those extra passes, to let people converge on Booker. Get the passes, get the shots. And then, of course, the ball goes out of bounds. Another replay review <laughs> to see who it went off of. And this is important. You need to know who that ball went off of. You it's do. such a game-deciding situation. But it's also tough to stop the game at that point again. It basically gives a free timeout. The Suns end up getting the ball out of the corner, and I'm just so, so impressed by that play we saw. With .8 seconds left, less than one second on the clock, down by one point, Monty Williams, or whatever assistant coach, draws up such a great play and 
there were so many moving parts, and each one was just executed to absolute perfection. That lob from Jay Crowder as the inbounder was fantastic over the crazy long arms of Cousins. Just an absolutely flawless inbound from a difficult position. And Devin Booker again. You know he's the most likely option on this play, as you said earlier, to bounce outside. He's going to get that defensive attention. He sets a pick with his busted nose and everything. Just such an absolutely mature play from a player that I'm not sure we would have seen him do that the last couple of years. He might have thrown up a wild off-balance shot like we see over and over and over and over again in that situation. But he sets a little pick that lets Aiton get slight, slight freedom from Zubax. And the timing, man, DeAndre Aiton's timing that jump and executing, slamming an alley-oop on the inbound, took, what, 0.1 seconds to take the lead in that game? Now, well, first off... All the I'll, way around. I'll argue it was more than 0.1 seconds. So I do have a qualm with the with the recalculation to put it at 0.7. I, it seemed to me that it was 0. 0.5, 0. 0.4 more realistically. But I won't dwell on that one. Because, what is a tenth of a second? Well, when you're on the other side of the court, you're right. It, it's not that much. But if they were inbounding at half court, that's significant. That's the difference between catch and shoot. And catch and dribble, catch, and and shoot, or catch and turn and shoot, but but I, I I love your point about Devin Booker. First off, well, making those unselfish plays, and that's the theme of the of this whole team. And Book sets a, a, a standard for that. Um, it, it does come off of Chris Paul, but it's embracing some of the core values the book has just always lived with, but never had a lot of other things maturity and 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 thought process in that direction being a part of that so his his game awareness being a part of that also but there's a lot of things that are that are congealing right now a big part of being him being willing to make that especially that pass to uh to to Mikhail Bridges in the corner is trusting the team and having a team around that you can trust and it's taken a whole it's taken a whole regular season to get to that point. We've gotten be- that team has gotten better and better and better at doing that, but it's taken a long time to get to that level of trust. And one of those folks that's had to earn that trust over this whole time is DeAndre Ayton. That play might not have been that case. They w- he might not have been in that situation. Devin Booker might not have sacrificed himself for that, not because he hadn't learned to do that yet in this season, but because. At the first half of the season, DeAndre Ayton wasn't trustworthy to do something like that. He wasn't in that situation, and he has. And now we're in a situation where all of those players they trust each other. So they and they know that that they can not only play their roles but play a variety of roles. And and book buys into that. And I think that's a really really big quality of a leader. I love Dayton's reaction too. He was just like happy and surprised at the same time. Yeah. Like, that went so smooth. Does that actually count? Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. Is that how this works? He's was awesome. that good? Did we win? <laughs> yeah. He's got he's got but such a good You know who demeanor. else should get all the credit too? Uh Dayton a Kardashian Jenner. Absolutely. We all know what happened with uh Courtney Kardashian to Lamar Odom's career when she mm-hmm. left him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His career and life. 
Yep. Got with James Harden. We know what happened to his career after that. Mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson, ups and downs. And, you know, Chris, Kylie here. What happened to, what happened to Kendall? Which one? I don't what, know. They're the same thing, right? They, they are. I think they're the same <laughs> person, actually. This, it's a... You ditch Ben Simmons and you move on to Devin Booker. Look what's happening in their careers right now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's... Different paths, man. I know. She she better stay with him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's uh, some magic there. There, there definitely Get is. That credit. Yeah, this is no Jessica Simpson, man. This is something wholly new. So, uh, yeah. Well, I it's 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 part of it. It is weird. I have to say, to, I mean, we 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 had on the on the Preds, we had Mike Fisher, right? We had. I'm trying to think if anybody else, even in the Titans realm. I can't recall on any of the teams that I've been a fan of having somebody who's reached a level of stardom that is top tier of their time. P.K. Subban was close. You're you're right. You're right. But he wasn't dating celebrities even. And so what I'm trying to say is like that level of plus pop culture celebrity. You know what I mean? Like and P.K. You're right. Was probably the closest. But he wasn't he wasn't dating. um Lindsey Vaughn until after he left the Preds, I don't think. And no, I think they were. Were they? Okay, they were actually. You're right because yeah. she came out on uh, on one of the games out here and on stuff. the lake. That's right. <laughs> okay, so P- so PK counts. PK definitely counts. Um, that would be the only other one. I mean, to have somebody in that space, not only playing at that level, but also getting national recognition at that level, is is really really weird to me to be frank i mean even you know i think back to you know we talked about steve nash steve nash was the last star for the suns that wasn't steve nash's uh what he was known for he he certainly had his place in pop culture because he was doing some cool multimedia things and had a personality of his own amari like that i know as um, all people i know i know but he he still wasn't even at that level i don't know it, this is it, Booker has this uh, ability and uh, trajectory. Knock on wood to be uh, one of the, uh, a transcendent athlete. I really think so. And um, but you know it's early times. We'll see what happens as careers unfold. He took a leap this year, and yeah, anything's possible now. Well, Stephen A. says he's the next Kobe. So what else do you need to hear? <laughs> Why do people still listen to Stephen A? They don't, right? Tell me nobody takes him seriously. I mean, I only do it when he says the things I agree with. That's it. <laughs> don't do that to book. Come on now. Seriously. But yeah, a, a play that will live on just a, a, an absolute highlight. For sure. So congratulations to your sons. I know that was a hell of an exciting game. It was any, any sports fan can appreciate that. Yeah, but a little extra when it's your team. Yeah, you know we, you and I talk about this a lot. It's fun to have, and you want as a fan of a team, blowout games throughout the entire thing. You want to sweep and you want to win by thirty every game, because there's no stress. It's fun, and you're that's that that's ideal. But but when you've been on the edge of your seat nonstop. (sighs) It's only worth it when they actually win. And thank God that they did (laughs) this. 
these are these are games that sometimes I hate watching, but ultimately I love watching, and I wouldn't trade them for anything because they're special and you remember them. Uh, and so, as much as as painful as it was to go down by one at the end and go through all that anxiety, it uh, it it's worth it to win on a last second shot like that. It's just it's special. You and I talk about it all the time. It's special. It's memorable. It's special. Those kinds of plays, those kinds of moments, you know, you're not going to forget them. You can bring a whole stadium or a city together. It's it's rare and it's a beautiful thing, and it's one of the reasons we love sports so much. No doubt. No doubt. And it's doing it here, even in 110-degree weather. So I'm going to move on a little bit from these playoffs that yeah. are so exciting. And we we go over, of course, plenty on the radio show every week nonstop to get into the weeds a little bit because I want to talk about baseball again when you got two other sports that are in the middle of their postseason winding towards the end your everyday regular season games aren't aren't going to get quite as much attention on our show as they normally would but let me ask you this question put this one out there earlier but I want to ask it to you too what was more predictable that happened tonight Wander Franco MLB's number one prospect for the past two years in a row, making his MLB debut and immediately looking like a superstar. Or that MLB's midseason crackdown on sticky substances for pitchers would turn into a hysterical slapstick farce within a week. I honestly I think the most predictable was was B. But but Wander Franco is not far off because that is high high expectations for that guy. Man, what a debut! For sure, we're seeing some special stuff in this season for sure. Yeah, now I need to need to just decide whether I should pick him up in my fantasy league. That's the big question here, Drew. He's available in your fantasy league. Who the hell are you playing with? That's a good question. I, I <laughs> actually I have to see. I'm actually gonna do that while we're on the call, right? While we're while we're doing. This. Because <laughs> no. I, I yeah, don't waste I any can. time. Come on, I know. Man. I'm going to see if Wander Franco's picked up. No, nope, somebody's somebody's Hopers already got three him. RBIs. Yeah, yeah. It's most the, of the leagues he was getting sat on all season. It's not the Wander Franco with San Francisco, right? <laughs> uh, it's not Wander Suero. Yeah, no, nope, he was picked up. I don't know how long ago. Not maybe Juan Franco he retired a long time ago. It's not John Franco. He also retired a long time ago. <laughs> Nope, this is the exclusively Wander Franco of Tam- of Tampa Bay. So, nope, uh, strikeout not uh not n- not available for me. Too slow, buddy. But man, what a what a special debut that was. And I hope it didn't get overshadowed by Max Scherzer and Sergio Romo dropping their pants on TV in the middle of games. <laughs> you had to God, what a what a slapstick farce. That's exactly what it was. What we got to see with the Washington and Philadelphia game today when Joe Girardi just kept calling the umpires out over and over again to check Scherzer until he lost his cool and throws his hat at the umpires and takes his belt off and says, what do you want from me? Until Joe Girardi finally got ejected from that game. (laughs) Just ridiculous situation all the way around. Like you said, it's extending the game, going against all the other stupid 
insignificant changes that Rob Manfred's made as commissioner to try to speed up the game. And then in the athletics game, Sergio Romo gets so upset, he just straight drops trow. All right, you want to check? Check everything. Here you go. Here's my hat. Here's my glove. Here's my belt. <laughs> what do you want from us? What do you want from us right now? Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, a pitcher's glove gets confiscated because it's a slightly too light shade of gray. Come on. What are you turning umpires into right now? This is this is absolutely insane. <laughs> it's true. And that takes away it's from a- their ability to do the things they really need to do well. Well, they're going to get the robot ump soon, and they won't. <laughs> They'll have one less thing to worry about. They can start taking pitchers' belts again. But just, God, Rob Manfred is really trying to challenge Roger Goodell as the most inept commissioner in sports, isn't he? Uh, and I, I think he's close to winning, uh, especially if you add in how the the poor, poor, poor relationship that's being exploited here between, between players and uh, – and and the MLB, there's just, yeah, there's it's a CBA coming up for negotiation oh, after this offseason. I I am so loathing that coming around. That's going to be such a miserable experience to look at. Why would you keep poking the bear over and over again? <laughs> but this was just so avoidable, which is what upsets me so much. We can all agree that rules on the books, like you said earlier, sports have rules. Yeah, you. You might not straight enforce them all by the letter if you were going by how the game is actually played, but you can't argue with it when a rule that's in the books gets broken and it gets enforced because it's there. Yeah. It's already there. You you can't argue that then. But (laughs) they knew about this problem for years. For years, it's been an open secret. A compl- not even a secret. It's been completely open. We saw the letter from the Angels clubhouse attendant and text from Garrett Cole saying, hey, I've got a sticky situation. <laughs> Wink emoji. <laughs> Needs some of your home brew. This is not something that just came up and needed to be done in the middle of a season kind of half-assedly with no distinctions drawn. It's... There was so much time to have an actual rollout to get this done in the off season. The effectiveness, that's the one thing you can't argue with. Because we've already seen a drop of a couple hundred spin rate across MLB since they said they were going to start checking pitchers. And batting averages have gone up, slugging percentages have gone up. There's a pretty direct correlation there, which is the point, which is a good thing for the game, I would agree with. But the way this is being enforced is so designed to just anger your own players and cause a rift and just possibly get people injured, as Tyler Glasnow asserted after he hurt himself, having a Cy Young caliber season, switching from using, again, what was always considered a wink-wink legal grip substance as opposed to these new high-tech substances that are out there. Hey, yeah. at least Trevor Bauer signed his contract this offseason, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. It's uh, I mean, you're right. It just exposes just how poorly you know. We talk about like it, like I said, the the relationship between players and and ownership and 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 the the league. But it what is really indicative of how poor that is is like you said how they handle these situations. The timing is bad. The 
And it's just over and over again how how bad the timing is. Just trying to force things in when when it doesn't make sense. Uh, It's just so, I guess the best term is like tone deaf, right? That comes from it's like just if you thought through it for a minute, which tells me, and maybe I've just watched too many Real Housewives episodes, but it tells me when you see something like that, that it's really vindictive moves, even though they're not doing it outwardly. But if you're so tone deaf about the implications it could have on your fans and your viewers and your relationship with the players and vice versa, then what it really means is you're, you're so tunnel visioned that you're saying, I just want to spite somebody. And that's really what it feels like. And that's really scary to me. Like that there, there's something explosive that's probably going to come out of this CBA uh, negotiations. That's just going to be ugly. Because something, it just feels like it keeps getting closer and closer and closer to a head. And when things are done this irres- irresponsibly, it tells me that that there's uh, you know vindictiveness and, and even malice in, in the non-legal term uh, when they're doing these things. As a whole, I, I, I'd be fine with this. I'm happy that they would get this out of the game. But to not make this a memo in the off season to say, Hey, we're going to actually crack down on this rule this season and give pitchers a chance to adjust in the off season. It's absolutely insane. There was no triggering event. This didn't happen when Michael got suspended for having a gob of pine tar on his neck. There was no one amazing triggering event to have the first pitcher checked under the new rules be Jacob deGrom the best pitcher in baseball who's having this otherworldly pitching season right now. ZRA is currently at 0.50, by the way. Uh, insane. Insane. But to have him be the first pitcher checked seemed kind of symbolic to say, okay, both we're going to check the, the best pitcher in the world. Nobody's above the laws. But also, he's not one of the guys whose name has ever been associated with this. His dominance has come in kind of a different way. You know, Garrett Cole's name's always been out there. Trevor Bauer's name was out there when he first complained about this and said how it could be such a huge issue and then had a sudden gigantic jump in his spin rate and success on the mound subsequently afterwards as well. But for DeGrom to be the first one checked, for him to kind of know that was coming, they announced it was going to be Monday, and to just kind of take it, Amusedly, just kind of laugh it off and say, yeah, check me, do whatever you want to do, and then go out there and throw another five shutout innings, striking out pretty much everybody he can, throwing over 100 miles per hour, saying, hey, this isn't my problem. You know, Check me however you want. But that's not how everybody's feeling, of course. We saw the bitterness, and today we saw Scherzer absolutely lose his cool about getting checked, and then getting checked, and then getting checked again. We saw Sergio Romo basically stripped down on the field <laughs> in protest. It, it turns the whole thing into one big farce. And as you talked about the distrust, I mean, we heard what Pete Alonso said. That's one of the stars of your game who openly accused Major League Baseball of tampering with the balls themselves, depending on to depress the free agent class said you know last year there was a great class of pitchers hitting free agency so they had the rubber ball that just flew out of the stadium and hurt all the pitchers stats and this year there's all these great shortstops and hitters coming up in the free agency so they deadened the ball 
and it's a year of the pitcher to see one of your stars of your league openly accusing the organization, the league itself, of manipulating the basic tenets of the game, the basic equipment of the game without telling its players to hinder them to basically get one up in negotiations. It doesn't get much worse than that. No, and normally you'd look at that and think conspiracy theory, you know, a little bit. Like, that's a bit of a stretch, right? But it doesn't feel that way in this it situation. I, I, It is. You're right. Like, the fact that that would be happening in such a planned out way is definitely a stretch. But what isn't a stretch is that the, NBA, the MLB would be manipulative in that way and that the players feel spurned in that way and that they don't communicate well enough. They don't. They don't talk about the intention behind the things that they choose to do and the rules they choose to implement and those things that th there is no clear vision for the MLB that is shared between the players and the the ownership and, 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 the, and the league, which is horrifying for a league that is trying to find its footing still trying to figure out what they what problems they want to solve, what identity they want to have in the in the in in the big major sports landscape as the MLB Don't worry they're testing out 2 inch bigger bases in the minor leagues. Okay. Uh well, now that you now that you mentioned that, I think we're good. Yeah, you're right. They're they're safe. They're in good shape. <laughs> but it, it it's true like it, I I if if they came out and and announced and agreed on some kind of you know clear plan that talked about, you know, where the experiments in the minor leagues worked you know what what part that played and when they would address rule changes you know and how they would communicate those and all those things were kind of agreed upon and talked about then i think there'd be a lot less issues but there's there's clearly just really poor communication and i don't think everybody's on the same page as to where the mlb is going to be in five years no, I mean, you put that absolutely perfectly. While that might be a wild conspiracy, you know, conspiracy theory, while a lot of people might not believe stuff like that, the fact that your star players are willing to say that openly about their employee, about the, about the league that they play for, that just shows the rift that we have there and the amount of the distrust. I, I am so fearful for the CBA negotiation in this offseason as well. It's it's a frightening thing, but we can lighten up a little bit too, right? You know that that story about Banana Ball got released this week at the same time. You know that came from the MLB offices. They were like, look, we could play this. This game is really popular here where if you step out of the bear's box between pitches, that counts as a strike and games don't last over two hours by rule. <laughs> You know, Rob Manfred was reading that article just like, rock hard. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Banana, I see. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, he definitely was. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I, uh, <laughs> I love it. But these players, they yeah, seem to have like, a little too much attitude for me. <laughs> yeah. They seem to be having a little too much fun while they do this. Yeah. So. Yeah, can I uh, can I institute this and suspend all of them and save the money? It's uh, yeah, it's really really horrifying. What he, he, they need to get him the heck out of there. Honestly, I wonder if the MLBPA could 
negotiate for a new commissioner and just say, hey, we'll take this hit, whatever it is, we'll make this sacrifice if you just give us better leadership. Because it it really feels that way. I mean, I, I, I'm well, the very... The players might be saying that about their own association leadership as well. <laughs> and, and, and that's fair too. That That is really fair too. But I, I put a lot of onus on the league management. You know, I, I definitely always, and my tone certainly always sounds like it's coming from uh, defending the players. And I, t- I definitely err on that side, to be frank, because it's been the other way around for far too long. And that's that's the perspective of fans in general, I, I believe, is that it's not in defense of the players because they're making millions of dollars and it's publicly known. And um, But... Uh, but there's onus on everybody. So I want to be clear about that in something like this. Like there's onus on everybody, but ultimately, ultimately in every league, it comes down to when you're talking about, are they communicating well enough? Is there a vision for the league in one, three, five, 10, 15 years? Is there, are there objectives that are at least some of them shared between the PA and the, and the and and the league certainly the leadership for the players association plays a part in that because i know they have to adjust and they wield a lot of power but how they come to that really 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 rests on the on the the league's management on the commissioner and the crew that he puts around him because their their objective is to lead that league and create it and so they're the ones that are it's their responsibility to have a vision it's their responsibility to ensure that there's good communication there. Now, the the PA can decide not to participate in that, and they can decide that they want to go and have different priorities, and maybe that's the case, and maybe that means that they're they're bad and they're poorly managed. But when we have no idea what the MLB is trying to be and where they want to be and what they want to do, I, I think that's squarely on the shoulders of the commissioner. I agree with you, man. When you're the steward of the grand old game, I mean, you don't have to be 100% purist. Things move on. But for most of the fan base at this point to look at every decision and every ticky-tack change and say, I don't know if this guy actually likes baseball. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, that is the last thing you should read from, from watching a Rob Manfred says. And does like that is that that should be uh, on his on his little nightstand should be don't let anybody think I hate baseball. That should be his like baseline table stakes goal. Yeah. (laughs) Horrible. Horrible. I mean, we can make fun of David Stern all day for saying, you know, players need to dress proper and everything. But there was no doubt that he loved basketball. Yeah. And there's no doubt that he had a vision like he sacrificed things in the game for global growth and that's what he wanted to do and that's what he set out to do and frankly he wasn't that shy about it so there were other objectives that he had to do so i don't want to oversimplify what david stern did because he certainly had a lot of cover-ups and things like that that he had to handle at the same time uh but his that was his number one objective was to grow this globally and make it a sustainable sport on the global stage and that's that's a great ambition that's a great ambition to have, and that's a vision that was relatively clearly stated and, and it had to have been communicated to the NBA PA. And 
that that goes a long way to know where you're both striving for. Even if you have sh- have differing opinions on exactly how to get there or what it really should look like, at least you know what you're trying to do. Like, I don't even know if they both agree that they want to shorten games. You know, I, what are they trying to do? We talked about this when with all the experimental rules. Are you trying to shorten games or are you trying to bring have more fans watch more complete games and are fans not watching them? So what problem are you really trying to solve? And I don't think anybody's in agreement through that. these changes without input from your players. <laughs> Who knows it better? Yeah, you know, they're, they're the ones playing the game. Yep. It's, I don't know, it's, it's madness. But at the same time, it's still baseball. It's still fucking wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've still got Shohei Otani doing things that you've <laughs> never seen anyone do on a baseball field before. We got Wander Franco coming up. We got Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr. Just what Jacob deGrom is doing every time he hits the mound. Special. There's so much, yes, truly special things to watch in today's game. Yeah. The the Diamondbacks setting records for, for, for losing. Yeah. Man, what the hell happened there? (laughs) Uh, Dove head first off a cliff. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. It was, it's really, it's really sad, but a record nonetheless, you know, uh, it's, so we're seeing special, unique things, uh, all across the board, but they, you're right. It's, you can't ignore all those things. And that's, that's the beauty of where we are right now is that all, all of that still stands. And that's lucky because that means our sports are sustainable to some degree. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be a pessimist, but it's also a reason for us to talk about these things and to pay attention to a lot of the things that, I mean, we're, we're in a world now where things get canceled to some degree. I don't want to, I don't want to use, even though I just did buzz terms like cancel culture. I don't, but, but what I want to say is like, there are a million different ways that something can be undermined and taken down. And most of the time, a lot of the times it's right. And kind of deserve it that happens a lot um but my my point is we feel like these institutions that we love and have loved for so long are infallible and can never be destroyed but you and i talk about the big three and alternative leagues coming in and changing how how fans interact and and how the 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 management communicates with the players and what stake the players may have in the sport and the association and all those things are threatening to undermine the, these big leagues that we really, really enjoy. And that's good because it forces competition. But my point is, like, if they can't get their crap together, oh, we're, we're on podcasts. If they can't get their shit together, then, <laughs> then they're, at, they're at legitimate risk to, to be undermined. Like, I, we, we have to celebrate these special things, and we have to talk about the crappy things that they're doing to hopefully hold them accountable to get their shit together to be sustainable um, because they, who knows in 10 years, they might not be around or they might not be the exact same thing. And I know that feels like a stretch right now. It really, really does. And I don't want to say there's any writing on a wall, but that's the direction we're going. There's always another option and we're always looking for something else. So you can, very easily see that being a potential direction for something like the MLB, and nobody wants that to happen. You know how they can solve that real quick, right? MLB to Nashville, baby. That's it. 
slam dunk, slam dunk. <laughs> it, if we haven't said it enough, Nashville is the savior of all sports. It, it's the Bring ideal it sports here. town. It's the ideal sports town. Look, we're saving NASCAR right now. We've got more sports that we can save. It's uh, saving soccer, saving NASCAR. Hey. Let's go. Bring it all to NASCAR. Done it before. We'll do it we're again. We're having a good time with all of this stuff. Yeah, and, we'll, and, we'll, <laughs> and we'll play a six string in our other hand. We can do it all. Man, did you see the big three announcement today, by the way, that the finals for this season will be played at the Atlantis Resort? <laughs> no way. <laughs> God damn it. I love the big three. Uh, me too, man. I'm so happy it's back. Me too. Me too. I actually toying with the idea of uh, of seeing nice them in Vegas. He does, and the players are buying into that. That's why more players are are showing up. They did a draft. That's insane. Come on. Yeah, tryouts, all yeah. sorts of moves for this season of Big Three basketball. But hey, I got to ask you while we're at it: Do you uh, still have your team loyalty to Tri State? I know Amari Stoudemire is not playing for them now. He's not he's associated with the team. He's not, he hasn't moved on to coaching. I'm a, I'm sticking with my killer threes, of course, even though you know, Meta World Peace has watched teams. <laughs> Stephen Jackson has moved on to become a coach elsewhere instead mm-hmm. of a player. Well, Frank Nitty's the new captain, man. Frank Nitty. I like that. Let's go killer threes. I like that. No, I am a hundred percent in the tri-state uh, area. <laughs> And uh, no, it firmly, I, I've I've picked my allegiance. The only time I've ever like had four quarters. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> the only time I've ever had a, a an allegiance threatened, and it still remains that way, is in the um, English Premier League, because I, I have a hard time handling relegation. Uh, so, like like we've talked about, I chose Stoke City, and I'm still a fan. I'll still root for them, but Stoke on Stoke, bro. But uh, if they're if they're not playing in the EPL, it's really hard for me to continue to root for them. So that's one I'm struggling with. I just want to be honest here with everybody. I think but that one's pretty fair. Th- thank you. It's I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how fans Your not in the league anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a league, but um, yeah, it's uh, I I am firmly in the tri-state camp and will be until. The only thing that could potentially disrupt me now, which is a weird uh, situation that the big three could come up with. And maybe it's different as the big three moves no, don't away. Worry. From... Steve Nash is doing something else. I know. Well, you, you're He's re- busy nowadays. You, you're reading me. Exactly. It, it It's still kind of known for the geriatric league, but they're moving away from that. So if somebody that I really, really love goes there, that has earned my loyalty by being part of one of my other loyal teams, then I might have to follow suit there. That's where it gets really difficult. It's where it gets really difficult. I know. Like if Pecorino starts playing in big three next year. Oh yeah. Pekka would be, and I, he would win MVP and you know that there's no doubt. Hey, there's nothing Pekka to do. All right. That I I can't disagree with that. He is an incredible dude. You know he'd make a good basketball player. You know that. <laughs> hey, give it a shot, Becker. Send us some uh, Instagram lives of uh, of his hoop skills. But you know, I gotta say, you know, as a tri-state fan, I really do like some of the players on there. First off, I'm a Dr. J fan. Always loved Nate Robinson. Uh-huh. I know you're in that boat. Well, except his boxing career. Of of course, but but love Nate. 
And Jason Richardson, part of the, part of the last Suns team to make it to the uh, to make the playoffs in the Western Conference Finals. Not bad. All right. All Not right. Bad. Yeah, I, I personally really love what they do with their teams too. The way they have the captain and co-captains situation set up, so that the team you're rooting for has some continuity, where they will you'll still have your players on your team kind of your the big three of each big three team sticks around but then only the teams that make the championship get to return their entire roster otherwise the back end of your roster churns every single year there's the super draft there's the tryouts now and that makes it really exciting man i love the idea that you can like say sports you know any sport you could buy a jersey of your favorite player and feel pretty confident that he's going to stick around with that team if because most of the the big names are going to be your captains and co-captain types. But then there's that constant churn of of who wants it more, of who's going to earn it, of who's fighting for those spots for the rest of the roster. And it's a really interesting way to do it, plus the rewarding of your top teams in a sort of relegation fashion, but not really. You just get that added bonus of continuity, which is something you can't really overlook too much. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I really like what they've done and most of most of what the big three's done so far I really like although I will say that when we first went to a big three tournament I don't want to say a game because it's an all day thing it was a it bunch is, of yeah. games but I was kind of thrown by them having the DJ courtside and playing the music during the action the whole time and now we're seeing that in NBA playoff games that's true It's they're setting new precedent like it is. It's they are, they they are the new, I don't know, conduit to what fans want, and that that's just more reason why the NBA needs things like the G League and other teams need their own little tentacles into testing new things because if you if you're not willing to change the game on the big stage, you got to be able to test it out elsewhere, and that's where you know we talk about the big three being a threat, but it's also a benefit to these leagues if they if they pay attention and they actually do that and again go back to the MLB they don't have the wherewithal to do that right now is they can't even fucking talk to each other but <laughs> but you know the NBA is in a much Damn better it. spot in that way so they have the opportunity to be like hey we kind of like that new idea maybe we'll implement it and that that gives them a major leg up man i thought for sure that they were doing that because there were no fans in the crowd and it was just kind of awkward to hear the silence and hear the yeah. squeaking of sneakers all, yep. all game long. Yep. But now you've got fans back. You've got packed stadiums. You've got playoff intense crowds. And they're still playing the music during in-game action. So I guess it is something that was looked into and caught on and decided to stay. Yeah. And it feels like the type of thing. I don't personally know this. I haven't seen. I'd love someone to ask the question with a little bit more access than we have. But was that a joint decision with the players? Because that kind of seems like something that the players would say, hey, we like this. Yeah. Can we keep it? And if the league says, yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah, that is an example of a healthy relationship right there. For I'd sure. I'd love to know if that's the way that actually went down. Yeah, I, I'm i curious. When I talk to Chris Paul next, I will ask him. Get uh, on that, man. I know. Well, he's not doing anything else I mean, right he's now. he's just chilling at home. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Probably 
banging out a whole bunch of State Farm commercials. Well, I haven't seen a new one, so we need a new one. God, I'm tired of seeing the same old thing over and over again. But I, I like seeing him FaceTime with his teammates after the game one win. It, you know, sports are special, man. They are. They are, and it's special when you see a team that gels. Those are the teams that that stand out in the history. I think of baseball wise. I think of that that the Red Sox team that beat the curse. You know, I think of um, I think of that Pistons team that won the championship. I think of the Suns in the in the run and gun. I think of um, I'm trying to think of a, of an out of of an NFL example. Mets just knocking back rails together. They go, yeah. I mean, it's seriously, no wonder they had so much energy. Uh, it's true. They those teams are really, really special to see, and I put the Suns in that category. And it's the antithesis to the super team. Even though I, you'd argue now, as of this year, the Suns have two superstars on their team. That wasn't the case going into the season, and that means that they've organically created a relationship. And, and Chris Paul is the leader with that. And we talked about this on our show a couple weeks ago. I think Chris Paul and James Harden weren't that way. I don't want to say they had a bad relationship. I don't have any insight into that, but you can tell by the product on the field, on the court, sorry, that 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 was not the way that the Houston Rockets were structured. They had talent coming out of their ears. Dogs. That's exactly right. And they just did not have a close relationship the way that whole team did. The the Phoenix Suns have that. And um I don't think the Clippers have that, frankly. I don't. I think they brought in they got a lot of vets, they got a lot of people that fill roles. I'm, again, I don't want to be clear. I'm not speculating that it's a, a locker room in disarray. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something special about how that team comes together. And you see that especially in baseball and, uh, and football too because any team can win at any given season in those leagues. Any team can make a run. And I can think of Brewers teams that have felt that way. Um, I can think of um, – San Diego Padres this year really yeah, stands out as one of those. That's true. And maybe, you know, I haven't studied the, the locker room that much, but maybe even the Giants coming out of nowhere are, are something like that too because they are putting on a roll. And it's fun to see a team that does that because you can't overestimate as much as we put on star and talent, as much as emphasis we put on star and talent, um, stars and talent, my gosh. It's still a team sport. All of these we'll are. We'll take care of that in post. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's still a team sport. So the better that they communicate and work together, the better a team's going to be. Um, so it's special stuff. Very much so. 100%. 100%. 100%. we got some special weeks to look forward to, man. We do. We've got, well, just tonight, congratulations to the Pistons. You just mentioned them. Winning the NBA draft lottery. Yep. Presumably adding Kate Cunningham to that team. They'll still be pretty bad next year. <laughs> yes, but uh, I'm how it goes. excited for that, man. It was a it was a real interesting draft lottery this year. I like the Raptors moving up to four in what's considered a a for sure top four, a very elite top four, maybe top five of this draft. Seeing a team like the Raptors jump up to four was pretty exciting seeing the rockets get that number two pick not having to give it up to oklahoma city look they got enough picks already all right yeah no it's true (laughs) golden states minnesota pick finally conferring be the number seven overall pick it's going to be pretty fascinating and then next month we have the nhl expansion draft that's right which is always 
Hold your damn breath. Hold your favorite players close. I know. <laughs> See what teams are going to do. It's going to be Kraken, exciting, though. It's going to rise. That's right. I, I'm really excited about that. I love these expansion drafts. I hate to see it for my teams sometimes, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see. Uh, I, we don't know who the teams are protected yet, do we? No, they haven't released their protected list yet. Yeah. We're still just kind of guessing at that. Yeah. Some teams it's more obvious than others. But, yeah, definitely still guessing. We don't know what backroom deals have been worked out. We know there were so many. Vegas did such a good job of working those during their expansion draft. It's really a, a unique and fascinating situation, and we can't wait to dig more into it on the radio show on WXNA on Walk It Off Radio during this upcoming month. Of course. Our Nashville Sounds are back. Got a Thirsty Thursday this week. Yeah. This stadium, buddy. Jealous. Be sure to uh, hoist a $3 beer for you. Please do make it a little Harpeth, and I will be satisfied. Uh, no chicken scratch is on the menu. Good. I love that. It's my, fav- my favorite sounds beer. Good. That's awesome. Very jealous, but I'll be out there again soon. Maybe uh, maybe you and I will be at a, at a Titans-Cardinals NFL game, we we plan our an opener. our times around sporting events. So uh, we've got we've got some cool stuff coming up for sure. Go figure. What do you know? <laughs> Who'd have guessed? Yep, it'll be great. There's there's always more to talk about. So we love doing these midweek happy hours, man. It was good to get back on that. And of course, we love to be there every Sunday night live on your radio on WXNA. And, of course, you can check those shows out anywhere, anytime. WXNAFM.org will stream you in the archives. Just head on over to Sunday nights. Listen up. Get to know your weekend sports. Because it's always always a good time talking to you, buddy. Always. always a good time to be here in Nashville. Cheers. On the radio or on this. The internets. The admirals of the yeah, internets. Yeah. <laughs> Admiral Internet. (laughs) Yep, this is our sweet spot, but so is the radio. We are multi-talented, so we will see y'all on the radio on Sunday. This was a blast, Drew. Absolutely, man. Always a good time. And hopefully we can continue with the playoff beard because we want to have some more games. Oh, yeah. It's I'm growing out. Part, right? That's what I'm saying. I know That's, the team really appreciates it. They they definitely do. <laughs> same shirt, same jersey every time. It's stinky, but it's worth it. Hey, we'll get to October and start talking about our fans, superstitions, and spooky sports again. My favorite. But, yeah, it's – God damn, it's so much fun to be a sports fan and to be here talking with it, talking about it with you. The feeling's mutual. And we'll do it again on Sunday, my friend. Yep, see you there. Live, WXNA, 101.5 FM on your radio dial, Nashville, Tennessee. See you, my man. See you then.